Welcome to Mother Bodies, the podcast about postnatal health and why it matters. I'm your host, Rosie Taylor. I'm a journalist and I'm on a mission to find out why we so often fail to give mothers the care and support they need after birth. It's fabulous to have you back for this second series or welcome to those of you listening for the first time. Just in case you're new to Mother Bodies, let me tell you what the podcast is all about. Every week, I speak to an expert or well-known mum. Together, we debunk myths and break down taboos around postnatal health and discuss why the system is failing so many women and what we can do to change parents' lives for the better. This is Mother Bodies. On this episode, I'm going to be speaking to Dr. Sarah Andrews. Sarah is a GP, a mum of two, and co-founder of Mummy, a new online resource aimed at giving new mums access to evidence-based and reliable information about postnatal health and helping them to recognise symptoms of concern during their recovery. Before I get onto my chat with Sarah, I just wanted to bring you a quick update from someone else. At the end of the last series, I spoke to Leanne Nickel. Leanne is author of the book Your Postnatal Body. She's also a very experienced charity campaigner, and she was involved in the campaign to ensure that there is a six-week check for mums as well as babies. Leanne runs Postnatal Health Community, We've teamed up on a campaign calling for mums to have a second postnatal check. This check would be six to 12 months after birth, ideally before maternity leave ends. What we're saying is that postnatal bodies and postnatal mental health conditions don't end or disappear at six weeks. So postnatal care shouldn't end at six weeks. And in fact, there are so many studies and statistics that show problems like pelvic floor dysfunction, birth trauma, postnatal depression, anxiety, all of these things can actually peak months after birth. It's its really not uncommon for these things to only become an issue sort of six, nine, even 12 months later. So I wanted to bring Leanne in quickly to explain a little bit more about what we're calling for, why we're calling for it, and how you can help. At the moment, with the six to eight week check, one, lots of women are not finding that satisfactory and there's a number of reasons why that is one of the reasons is that and I don't want a GP bash I don't want an NHS bash but there is a comprehensive template for GPs to use with postnatal women and from what I can tell from the reports I've had that's not being used across the board so people are getting a very lackluster is everything all right and what's your contraception uh, options kind of chat people are not feeling that that is enough they're not being asked the questions they would expect to be asked in most cases that I hear of is not fit for purpose so that needs to improve that needs to be better for women but also women aren't often in the place that they would best be able to talk about their symptoms at that stage postnatally because they are very sleep deprived they're very overwhelmed And often they will have their baby with them and the baby's often had their baby check first and their maternal check is tagged onto that. And speaking from personal experience, for me, by the time the baby check was finished, my baby was angry (laughs) and just wanted to go home and feed. And I I had a crying baby with me and I didn't really want to get into the ins and outs and lie on the table and be checked over and everything. So that's... One of the things is this overwhelm. It's not the right time. You can't focus on yourself. 
and have the privacy and the space to talk about any issues you might be having. But equally, it's also not a time where some of those issues might have even surfaced. You may be finding your feet still and you don't know what's normal and what's not. You might not even know you're leaking, right? Because you're wearing pads, maternity pads. So you might not even be aware of any urinary leaking. You're, you're still in that phase. So sometimes it's not till months down the line that physical symptoms can show up for the first time or you realise that something's actually not quite right. But also mental health issues can surface much later. And that can be for a variety of reasons. It can be because sometimes trauma is postponed whilst you're in like a high adrenaline state. Say you've had a traumatic birth, your baby might be in a NICU. That can be a highly stressful, well, it's a highly stressful time for parents. But equally, you might have stopped breastfeeding and had a real hormone dip. And a lot of women aren't aware of that hormone dip that can happen. And that can kick off postnatal depression as well or life changing you know life circumstances changing like going back to work and that level of exhaustion and that kind of change or your partner going back to work after being a support system some women are lucky enough to have their partners offered them for longer than the two weeks and then when they go back to work they have a real dip with their mood or anxiety increases so there's all sorts of reasons why your mental health can be affected later on and obviously that's not then picked up because there isn't that additional check So there's all sorts of reasons why problems can stack up in that first year and women have been signed off at six weeks and it just, it doesn't tally up, it doesn't balance. And then women are suffering on their own silently and potentially these problems are getting worse and worse, which will cause a strain on the state later on because we know that preventative care can help. I think another thing that's really true as well is that even if you are kind of aware of an issue, particularly say a pelvic floor issue at six weeks and you raise it, I mean I was certainly told and I think it is very common to be told like oh well it's early days, see how it goes and if it hasn't healed you know in a few months or if you're worried it's getting worse come back which is all kind of well and good to say at six weeks but realistically I think so few women have the time and have the courage maybe and feel like They have the right to prioritise themselves. So can you tell me what we'd like to see? What what Uh, would you like to see at what we're calling the nine-month check? Because it's catchy and it sounds a bit like the six-week check and everyone understands what that means. Yeah, absolutely. We need an additional maternal check between six and 12 months. And between six and 12 months is nine months. So uh, it's it's a, a good time for women to go and be checked out and they can raise any issues that have been ongoing or have surfaced. And yeah, there's also the perinatal mental health hubs and the pelvic health hubs, which have been established across the UK. So hopefully there is a decent referral pathway from GPs into these hubs. They're there for a reason, right? So let's use them and let's use them for preventative care so that women aren't going years and years down the line and they're fallen out of that system and they're not being caught at the right time. It's also a really good time to talk to women about lifestyle changes if they've had blood pressure issues or diabetes, gestational diabetes, because you are at increased risk of type 2 diabetes and blood pressure issues if you've had those conditions. So at nine months when somebody has hopefully had a little bit more sleep and can take it in, you can talk to them about lifestyle changes that can affect the rest of their life. Amazing. So what we want is for women at some point 
in the second half of that year after birth, around nine months. But I think what's also really important is preferably before they go back to work, which is why we're not being like super fixed on the idea that it has to be nine months. I think some point between about six and 12 months is kind of normal for most people to go back to work. To get that full mind and body MOT, to just be checked that everything is okay, your pelvic floor, with your physical health in terms of blood pressure and things like that, but also your mental health. And that if you are struggling to get the help that you need, but also to sort of make it clear that it is common to still have ongoing health problems four months after birth. You are not alone in this. It is so common, in fact, that we think every woman should be checked. I couldn't have put that better. Yeah, absolutely that. Uh, Brilliant. So if people agree, what can they do? Well, we will be having a roundtable in Parliament. So in the run up to that, we will be asking for case studies of people who feel they would have benefited from an additional maternal check and why. So if you can keep an eye on our pages, the postnatal health community and mother bodies pages. And at any point, actually, whilst we're waiting for our date, just send us your your case studies and your experiences around this that would be really helpful and then once we've got a clear plan as to what health professionals feel is viable then get behind the campaign write to your mps and and let's push for some change in this area brilliant and for now we will be sharing today some posts on our social medias so that's at mother bodies and at postnatal health community on instagram Feel free to like those posts, share them, spread the word with your friends that mums need and deserve more care in the year after birth. 100%. So now let's go over to Dr. Sarah Andrews. This isn't the first time I've spoken to Sarah. I've previously interviewed her as part of my work as a health journalist, but I really wanted to get her on the podcast because I think she's got some really brilliant ideas about how GPs could improve the postnatal care they provide to mums. I started off by asking Sarah what it was like to become a mum when you're a doctor with years of medical training. I had met lots of different mums um, and thought that that had given me a good sort of basis to know what to expect when I was becoming a mum but I still, oh, just going back to those first few days and those first few weeks, shell-shocked absolutely shell-shocked and you know it was the things that I even and I always always say to people you know despite my background despite meeting lots of mums despite before having babies doing six weeks checks I just I felt like you couldn't understand it unless you're there unless you're a mum it's and I think I thought I understood it but I just didn't and there were symptoms that I I knew about but I just didn't really know the extent of so things like hair loss I knew women lost hair, but when I was losing clumps of hair, I, I thought, is, is this actually right? Is this really the amount of hair that is normal for mums to lose? And then that's, you know, one of the things that I remember Googling in the middle of the night, sort of, when will my hair stop falling out? You know, and, and that level of just not understanding how the, the extent of the symptoms that you can get and the night sweats. I don't think I actually knew about night sweats, when, even as a GP, before I'd had a baby. And I remember just being drenched, you know, and just honestly being like, what is going on with my body? Um, so the, there's loads of other, the list of symptoms that I had after having a baby that I was not expecting. So the dry hair, the dry skin, the dry vagina, the dry, you know, everything. that I just wasn't expecting. And the anxiety, that ang- postnatal, which I almost, I don't feel, you know, I, I feel relatively fortunate. I think I didn't 
experience any significant sort of postnatal anxiety, but I still was anxious. I was an anxious new mum that didn't know what was right, didn't know what was wrong, and just, yeah, was absolutely shell-shocked. The other thing that I also remember, and I now look back at it and I laugh at myself for it, that I remember thinking about sleep deprivation before having a baby and thinking, it's fine, I've done night shifts. Mm -hmm. I've done loads and loads of night shifts. I can do seven night shifts in a row, fine. And then I remember about two weeks in with Martha, my firstborn, and just suddenly being like, oh, this night shift doesn't end. Yes. <laughs> this, this night shift isn't ending in seven days. There's no end in sight of this night shift. And suddenly that realisation of that sleep deprivation that I'd seen mums with and I'd chatted to mums about, thought I kind of got it. And I just realised I didn't get it at all. I hadn't got it at all when I'd been speaking to mums before having a baby. And now I got it and I was in it and I was in the thick of it. Yeah. And it was, yeah, it was overwhelming. It was... It was hard, really hard. And it still is, isn't it? Like, you know, it, it gets easier, you get, but it's still there's days and there's weeks and there's weekends when it's hard. Yeah, and absolutely. You, yeah. And how old are yours now? Two and four. Okay. There's less hard days, there's less overwhelming days, but there's still days when it's, yeah, it's challenging. No, I completely relate to that, having a three-year-old. <laughs> the day-to-day process of sort of making sure that they're, you know, alive, which is your biggest concern when they're newborn and kind of fed and watered and warm and all of those things gets easier. But then they start, you know, deciding they don't want to be fed or watered or dressed and (laughs) having opinions about everything. So it doesn't, yeah, new challenges, isn't it? Yeah, it's a challenge. I feel like you just start to get used to things, don't you? Like, oh, good, we've got into a nice routine. Oh, oh, yeah. And then they change it. They totally change. Oh, they don't want to sleep anymore. They don't want to eat that favorite food they had. And yeah, and then you find this new challenge. But yeah, it's all great fun, but (laughs) it's all hard work. So it's really interesting. I think you're saying about the things that surprised you even as a GP. And I wonder whether an element of that is because you generally weren't seeing women until six weeks in. So you didn't quite realise quite how overwhelmingly intense those first few weeks can be. Yeah, I think that's probably is part of it. I also think... And I think a lot of this is, a bit, you know, it's what, what you're here doing, Rosie, and you know, some of the wonderful work that you're doing and, and hopefully a bit of the work that we're doing is trying to break that taboo. Is mm. I think there's a lot of, I, I now look back and was it that I wasn't asking the right questions or was it that women feel like they have to say they're having a great time and they're absolutely fine? And I, I don't know. I can't go back to those days and, and look back and wonder what it was. Yeah, I don't know. Is it because we weren't seeing them? till six weeks or actually is it because we're not seeing them enough after that six weeks and six to eight weeks is when women are start you know that is when you get seen but actually for me personally that six to eight weeks I was still just keeping my baby alive I wasn't I don't think I'd recognize a significant amount of those until after that you know I was just keeping my baby alive and and that was my main focus the focus on me came afterwards yeah and yeah, so I, I don't know. I don't know whether I hadn't recognised that because of the fact that I, I wasn't ask, yeah, asking the right questions, whether the women weren't telling me. I don't know. I wish I could go back and maybe wonder and just uh, look at myself and just really, you know, prepare myself a little bit better. But I don't think you can. I think you can say, I say, I say this a few times, I think you can prepare yourself, but not you, you have to be in it to really feel it. Yeah. And I think it's that. interesting, isn't it? Because I think a lot of people say that you can't imagine what it's like to be a parent until you're a parent but if you are living with someone that has become a new parent you get a pretty good idea of of what it's like and we just don't live 
in communities where we see that newborn mm. phase anymore really do we like even if you have a close friend even if it's your kind of your sister or someone you might not spend a lot of time with them in those first few weeks and they might feel like they can't say actually I'm really struggling with hemorrhoids or whatever it is absolutely and so then when it happens to us we're like oh my god this has happened and then your friends who have had kids are like oh yeah yeah I had hemorrhoids too and you're like well why didn't you say <laughs> yeah why didn't you tell me <laughs> why didn't prepare me yeah. for this and that is I do think there is a lot of that you just sort of go just wait why just why, why didn't anyone mention this bit to me yeah. and, and I think you're right that you don't necessarily tell people you, you see your friends and family and they see a little bit of it but I don't necessarily I think the only person that really saw the full extent of it for me was my husband yeah and they're yeah, just as shocked as you quite often. Yeah, it's they're old. Right, absolutely. Yeah. And they've, you know, they've gone through witnessing the birth, which is for us the first time was quite hard. And yeah, it's, it's, yeah, they're all definitely as shocked as we are. So you said you see women at six to eight week check. Um, and then that's it. Then they go off into the world and that we do still have this idea, don't we, that you should mm-hmm. be better that basically things will be fine after six weeks and you can just crack on and get back to normal. And obviously what we've been talking about throughout this podcast series is that that isn't the case, that the reality is that most women seem to struggle. Well, not struggle. That's not the right word. Most women are still recovering perfectly sort of natural and normal recovery for what, six months, 12 months after birth. Um, And I know that you feel really strongly about this it's something we've been talking about that six week check on its own isn't enough that it's not okay to say to women that six weeks is a point at which you can go off and live the rest of your life with no one ever checking that you're okay again Um, and we've been talking about this idea of introducing a formal second check before maternity leave ends maybe you know we've talked about nine months maybe somewhere between six and 12 months and I'm really interested to talk to you about this because I know that in your NHS practice you're actually implementing a, a kind of system where you do proactively reach out to women at six months can yeah, you tell absolutely. us a little bit about that and how it works yeah absolutely so I work in a, an NHS practice in a seaside town in Devon um, and we we yeah until recently we're doing our six to eight week check which is you know what we are meant to do as GPs to check in on women postnatally and the baby at that time as well what we realize though is I think as a as a mum I realize that postnatal issues don't don't finish at six to eight weeks um, and then if you look at the evidence postnatal issues don't finish at six to eight weeks if you look at the women's health strategy that's been published relatively recently that puts an emphasis on postnatal health I think it says at some point that you, you know post that health it shifts over to the focus of baby once the baby is born to the detriment of the mother um, and that made us realize that we need to be opening our doors and making sure that women are aware that our doors are open to them in that postnatal period and not only at six to eight weeks. So the lovely, I, I love your work, Rosie, about the sort of nine month postnatal check. And I think it's a great idea. I think unfortunately, capacity wise within the NHS at the moment um, and resource wise, if it would just be really, really hard. Yeah. It's not that we wouldn't want to do it. You know, we'd love to do those sort of things, but we just capacity and resource wise, we just can't offer that right now. So what we looked at is how can we offer women something and make sure that we are reaching out to the women so that they have I hate the word permission but it's sort of permission for them to contact us so they don't feel like they're bothering us which I think some people do sometimes feel like they are when we're so busy for them so we to reach out to women to say come and talk to us 
if you still have any ongoing issues. And so what we now do, we have a system called AccuRx where we text women at six months. So since six months, we send every woman that's had a baby. We do go through the list. So if women are already accessing our help for anything and or have been in regards to postnatal issues, we don't text them. If they've had a, a stillbirth or something similar, we also make sure that they are taken off the list. And we take text every single woman six months postnatally that, that are on that list to say that we understand that mental and physical health can take time in terms of recovery postnatally. And if you've got any concerns, come and talk to us, call us up and we'll we'll, we'll see you. Um, and so far, we're really early days, uh, but so far we've had uh, phone calls from those text messages and we're hoping to, in a few months time, to be able to really gather some data to see what, what we've done. Brilliant. So people have got in touch off the back yeah. of those messages to book in to see a GP or... Or Absolutely. So GP or nurse appointments, we've definitely seen. Um, and now we're starting to look at what else we can do. So our nurses touch base with that family at the, at the immunizations. Yeah. So they touch base with the family at three times when the baby is having their immunization. So we're looking at the moment at how we can potentially also using that touch base moment to touch base with mum. Mm. to say just how are things because it's it is frequently most commonly mum that brings the baby to the appointment yeah so using that moment to just check in on mum and saying how are you any concerns and it's not perfect but it just allows mum a few moments you know if we send the message and we have those three touch point moments to actually ask mum how she is we hope it allows mum to feel that there's that time where she can call shout for help if she needs to or if there's anything that's bothering her there's a moment she can ask that question I think that's brilliant and you know like you say permission is a weird word because obviously we're allowed to ask for help whenever we want it but I do think that we do have this such strong culture don't we as women are feeling like we can't make a fuss it's not about us it's about the baby you can't be ungrateful you know if you're worrying about yourself you're obviously not grateful enough for your baby or prioritizing your baby enough and actually and and also, I do think a lot of us feel guilt about the pressure that NHS services are under, that we don't want to bother the doctor with something that, you know, our mums might even say, well, you know, I put up with that after I had a baby. Um, so actually sort of, I think, reaching out and just saying, you know, you can come and see us is such yeah. a positive step. And the fact that you've had people call in just goes to show how important that is. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I hear it, you know, from patients about sort of feeling at the moment that NHS services are under strain and therefore I don't want to bother you. I'm sorry to bother you. You know, I don't want to be causing a fuss. We hear that quite frequently. Yeah. And we are under strain. Of, you know, we're hearing it all over, but we still want to see our patients. It's our job. We want, you know, I always say that my job as a GP is to keep people as live, alive and well for as long as I possibly can. Yeah. And therefore, to do that, I don't want people only contacting me when they're in a crisis. Yes. I need people to contacting me before the crisis, and therefore we can help them. And so, and I, and we do. We we want to see you. We want to hear from you. It might be a bit of a wait until we can see you, but we still want to see you. Yeah. Um, and sometimes getting that that you know message across, especially for new mums, is really really important. Absolutely. And I think you know, Sarah and I have discussed this idea previously and at the time I said to you you know isn't this going to add cost to NHS services because you're inviting more women in and I think your response to that was brilliant because you said well no because these women are already ill you know if you have a pelvic floor problem or a mental health problem you have it not seeing a doctor doesn't make it go away so you are still going to have to see these patients at some point and like you say getting there before crisis 
Absolutely. Let's seeing them sooner will save money to the NHS. You know, waiting and actually a delayed diagnosis, late diagnosis of things costs the NHS. So these women are going to be, you know, I would hope that at some point they would be coming to see us with or without that text message we send. But the sooner we see them, the better, the earlier we can diagnose things, the earlier we can get an intervention in place, you know, the better the outcome for the woman, the, lo- the lower the cost for the NHS. Yeah, absolutely. So it's better to see, yeah, to see women sooner is better. And and actually, realistically, at the moment, the services that you're going to refer on to have long waits as well. So the sooner you can get people in and referred, the better. Absolutely. So it is. Yeah. The unfortunate situation at the moment. We yeah, we do. We do want to help and we want to to be there and refer and and do whatever that woman needs. And we want to, to hear from them if they need to speak to us. I just wanted to ask you a very quick question because you mentioned then about women who had had stillbirths being taken Mm. off your list and I can completely understand why if you've lost a baby you don't want to get a generic message that's aimed at mothers um but obviously especially if you had quite a late-term pregnancy loss you may still have postnatal issues are you doing anything to sort of offer a kind of tailored service to those women yeah, so in terms of tailor services, so in our practice, and this will vary between practices, um, each GP, so each patient has a name GP. Um, and it very much is for those situations, we would expect follow up from their name GP, so a much more sort of personalised approach. Um, and that's why we would, with those patients, um, you know, react slightly differently to how we would do with, with other patients. Yeah. But yeah, it's that, great that you're being sensitive to that because I don't think yeah, there's there's nothing worse yeah. is it, than getting like a six week check reminder when you haven't got absolutely. a baby. Yeah, but it is important to follow those ladies up. Actually, probably more important to make sure those ladies are followed up. Um, it's just it has to be done slightly differently. Yeah, in our that's that's how we feel at role anyway now in our practice. Absolutely. So in terms of your work as a GP, um, since you've become a mum, has that changed the way you approach appointments with with other mums in clinic? Yeah. Oh my goodness. It's changed it so much. So I now look back at some appointments before I had children and it just, it's like a head, you know, head in hand moment that I wish I could go back five years and redo that consultation. And it's not because it wasn't safe or anything along those lines. It was just this empathy and the understanding and just so different that I now am with new mums. I remember a consultation of a mum and I think I'll always remember it, a mum whose baby had colic um, and she was just broken. And I think I think it was right. You know, I did exactly the same. The plan was the same as what I do now. But just how my response would have been to that mum and the sort of kindness and the empathy and the understanding I would now show her is, was entirely different. Um, I now, so I very much, yeah, I, I check in on new mums a lot. So often the contact we have with new mums is through when they're coming in with about the baby. And pretty, and I pretty much make it as a rule that any time that a mum comes in about the baby, I also just ask her how they are. Yeah. Um, again, having that moment to just try and touch base with the new mum. And and I just find that that sometimes is, you know, because when they're coming in about their poorly child, that's often a really exhausting, tiring, stressful time. Yeah. And checking in that they have a bit of support um, is, is, I found it that it's, it's helpful for mums and I would, as a mum would have found that a helpful moment yeah. to also touch base with my GP. It's that point at which, isn't it, where someone says, and are you okay? And you're like, yes. <laughs> I know. I remember that it's GP doing that to me. Like... Moment. <laughs> but but, but I think so often you actually rarely get asked it by someone that cares. Well, yeah, I mean, that's unfair on like friends and family, but by someone professional who might be able to help you, who is it's not often that you get asked it by someone that like, 
has the capacity to to do something do if something. you say no yeah so I think that's great I mean, and in terms of how you you know going back to that consultation that you remember about the mum with colic um yeah you say you're sort of cringing inside but why why is it what what did you do then that you regret about it I think I was I think I had I just I look back at it and feel I was a bit more sort of almost crack on a bit yeah like that horrible there's nothing wrong with your baby you it's get. fine yeah, there's nothing yeah. wrong with your baby yes you're tired they yep it will get better yeah rather than really understanding what it's like how what it's like and that exhaustion that she was feeling at the time and I just and it, I probably was quite busy it probably was quite stressed you know but it's still that I, I now and that is something that I have now changed is that I just try and give mums a bit more time mm-hmm. you know I make sure that actually they have the time and sometimes they have a bit more time to just tell me their concerns about their baby because sometimes it's that there's some underlying anxiety about baby and hopefully we can reassure them in that few moments that that their, that baby is okay and baby is well and that will mean that they can then go home and their anxiety is reduced and things like yeah just being a bit more understanding um, yeah. I also try so I have students with me quite frequently and it's one thing I sort of hammer into the students these are medical students that to always check in on mum yeah so I, I the other week was with students and I think they were sort of asking why I ended up really giving mum a consultation as well as baby and I was like well because we you know it's mums are vulnerable mm-hmm. and they're coming in about their baby but this is a time we need to check in on them as well and so I always try and make sure I teach teach our medical students the same thing well that's brilliant because you know I think we sort of touched on this before but you don't get very much training in medical school medical school no. about postnatal health and looking after mums at all really do you no not a lot at all we get taught how to do the six-week check mm-hmm. um and that's about it really yeah yeah this is why things like night sweats come as a surprise to you when you do become a mom (laughs) didn't know anything about them so yeah we don't get and it's a real shame there isn't you know specific and I think you know different doctors will have had different experiences so some doctors might have been on different placement or a different surgery where they have had a bit more experience but it's not within a sort of curriculum yeah and And that's why it's such but like whether you know you get a wonderful GP like yourself who's understanding and kind and gives you time or someone that just says well you've had a baby what do you expect which yeah. unfortunately is still quite widespread yeah and I, I, yeah I hope it will change you know that's the reason we're here isn't it that we're yeah. yeah trying to make a difference and it's that old you know the problem when you look back years and years and years ago that healthcare was designed by men for men mm-hmm. and therefore we've got teaching of healthcare is designed by men for men because that's what healthcare is so what we need to change is is that yeah um that therefore the education is is different and that will then work up towards our future doctors but it's happening it's changing amazing well it's great that you're sort of teaching the medical students of today the doctors (laughs) of tomorrow yeah Um, and I thought it was interesting that you just said then as well that you try and give mums a bit more time because I think this is another factor isn't it that GPs are probably having to pick up the pieces a little bit more of all the services that aren't there that used to be there for mums so things like drop-in centers weighing clinics you know health visitor coming around to your house once a week like those things just don't happen anymore so even just little questions like oh my baby seems to be sick a lot after feeds or stuff you know that's probably something that like ultimately it gets to a point of anxiety and parents are turning up to you saying there's something seriously wrong when actually they've probably got little questions about their baby that they just haven't had an opportunity to ask anyone else yeah absolutely and I think we do see that you know the health visitors are very in our area anyway are very very limited and are are doing the best job that they possibly can but they it is significantly reduced to what used to be the offering um and things like baby what you know just being 
the, the simple stuff that you know we just wish I think you know all anybody within the sort of healthcare health visitor service would wish we could offer a bit more um, and therefore you know it does come to us um, and it's just about you know we are overwhelmed but actually it's these are really important things and if, if it is causing mum anxiety and stress and worries then actually just those if they takes us a few seconds to answer a question which is the mean mum can then go home and not be worried about things then I think that's time well spent absolutely and I think also an appreciation which I'm sure you have that actually as a mum you spend so much time worrying about worrying in a way like feeling like you can't ask a question because you don't want to bother someone that actually if you've got to the point of asking a question it's probably actually something that playing on your mind a lot more than you're letting on absolutely because you do don't you and it's again this silly sort of I don't know I thought when I I felt it when I was a mum absolutely sort of taboo of just wanted to be the most wonderful perfect mum and I felt that by feeling like I had these questions I was almost failing by you know for me it was things like salt in the diet and silly questions like that that I didn't I remember my international group talking about and being like oh I just and feeling like asking the question made it look like I was wasn't doing a good enough job which is absolutely daft when I look back at it but mums do so you do feel like that you have this anxiety about doing the very best you can so if you're thinking about a question you've probably thought about it loads so yeah if they're coming to us they probably have yeah been worrying about it for a while and you're you're so right about that because there's this idea that if we get anything wrong we failed and yet you're coming you know you're straight out the blocks into you know something that you've never done before that's really hard that has so many different facets and completely takes over your life and you've sort of the pressure on yourself to do it without getting anything wrong and knowing it all in advance even though you've never done it before is crazy a whole new job like a really hard job that you go into without any training you just just set off and go and hope for the best and someone suddenly being like right you're a firefighter so put it on and go into this building and you're like what I don't know what I'm doing absolutely I find it really so we've I we have meetings quite frequently um up our road we've got a gym which has a crash so quite frequently me oh, and my amazing. co-founder we have a, a meeting up the road twice now whilst I've been sat there having various various meetings women have come over to us to say oh my goodness it's so refreshing to hear what you're talking about because and then they'll tell us our, their story and you know it's just the fact that these strangers tell us their stories about the fact that because they just didn't feel when they were you know when they had their babies that they had anyone that they could just open up to about the, the questions that they had and things like that because they wanted to be you know it felt like it was a failure to ask those questions yeah. which is oh just yeah it's sad isn't it really sad a but, real shame but this is what mommy is all about tell us the kind of advice that you're gonna have on that yeah so mummy is a initially it's gonna be a web app so it's gonna feel like an app but it's a website um, and what Mummy is, is a app for all new mums. Um, and there's sort of a few different components to it. So one thing is it's got articles. So up to date, evidence based articles about postnatal health from absolutely top to toe um, in terms of postnatal health support for women. The other thing is that there's a symptom checker. So there's a mental health and physical health symptom checker for women to go through, which we would recommend women go through weekly. And that allows women to, one, know whether what they're experiencing is within the sort of normal range of normal, but then also offer advice. Um, but also what it does is it flags symptoms of concern. So it allows women to understand actually if something they're experiencing isn't normal, which would then what we hope that would do is allow women to therefore access the help and support they need as early as possible. So allowing again early diagnosis and recognition of postnatal health issues and um, the overall aim we want is happier healthier mums yeah uh, 
So, and that's, yeah, the overall aim of, of Mummy, which is hopefully going to happen. It sounds brilliant. And how uh, will it be kind of widely available? Would you need to be referred yeah. to it? No, so our, it, if this is sort of currently in discussion. Our aim is we very much want it to be a, a free, accessible app for women. Um, and so initially, we are going to do some evaluation of the of Mummy, first of all. So our plan is to, first of all, evaluate Mummy, see so we're going to test women so we're going to have a group of women that use mummy a group of women that don't use mummy and do some evaluation work and our hope is that we can then allow women to have it free of charge um all, all over the uk the problem is we won't have to work out how to fund that yeah. so <laughs> it is it does still cost quite a lot to keep a website going and an app going is what i figured out um, so we are looking at various things, such as talking to the IS, ICSs, so the NHS boards and, and all sorts to try and hopefully have it accessible to women free of charge. Um, we've also we've got a focus group that have very helpfully told us that they don't mind things like adverts as long as it's free of charge. Um, adverts that are suitable for, for, you know, and things that actually we genuinely believe will help them. Yeah, because um, it's a minefield. Yeah. So really cautious advertising, but allowing it to potentially be free of charge. So our hope very much, Rosie, is that it's available to everyone um, okay. and no need to be referred. Um, it's just an app for women to use. And when do you think it might be sort of ready for rollout? Yeah, so the aim is the end of April, beginning of May for the basic version, okay. uh, which is the web app. Um, and then we need some more funding to turn it into a native app in terms of the evaluation stuff. Brilliant. Exactly and by the that. time this goes out, then it should be... Oh, ready to roll! Ah. <laughs> Brilliant. Fingers crossed. So, Sarah, my last question is one that I ask everyone that comes on Mother Bodies. If there was one thing you could change about the world we live in, which would help new mums, what would it be? So, I think I think it's the thing that we've talked about a few times in this, isn't it? It's breaking that taboo, opening that dialogue, starting these conversations that we're having today, so that actually. I, you know, when, when you're in that cafe, having those conversations with new mums that you've only just met a, a baby sensory class, that what you're talking about is how difficult it is, not saying what an amazing time you're having mm -hmm. and trying to make it, women know that, you know, the challenges and understand, allow them to feel informed about those challenges they're going to face, to allow them to feel empowered about changing things so in terms of you know if they are fate the challenges they're facing to feel empowered to know where to go to to get that help to get that support um so yeah so that's my main thing I think also just access to you know if we could have an NHS pelvic health physio accessible to every woman that's had a baby that would be amazing yes amazing you're allowed that bonus extra <laughs> one because it's such a good point um brilliant thank you so much Sarah that's all right thank you very much The Mummy website, which is spelled M-U-M-I-E, should be launching around now. And you can find it at mummy, M-U-M-I-E, dot health. You can also get updates by following at mummy.health on Instagram. The Mother Bodies podcast is going to take a bit of a break now for at least a few weeks, maybe a few months, maybe a bit longer. Um, the whole point of the podcast is to break down taboos around postnatal health, postnatal recovery, and be honest about the realities of motherhood. So I feel it would be disingenuous of me not to be honest about the reasons why. I'd love to say there was a cool professional reason, like we're working on a secret big project. But actually, the reality is that juggling work, full-time job, motherhood, 
family, life admin, trying to maintain friendships and relationships, trying to look after myself. And and I'm still continuing my recovery from my birth three years ago. And having the podcast on the side is just is just not feasible at the moment. So I'm taking a little bit of time out. I hope to be back. I'm afraid I can't say when. Um, But let's see this as a pause rather than an end. I'd love to come back. And of course, I'm not going to stop shouting about all these issues. Mothers need and deserve better postnatal care and support than they're getting right now. I will keep banging that drum. I hope you do too. You can help by spreading the word and following the podcast at Mother Bodies on Instagram. You can also follow me at Rosie Taylor Journalism. Um, where I'll be posting about the work I'm doing, a lot of which is focused on women's health and raising awareness of the current failings and interesting and exciting things people are doing to try and change that. If you've enjoyed this series, please do leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you're listening via Apple. I think you can leave reviews on other platforms as well. The tech is slightly beyond me. Um, But I definitely think you can give us a rating. So please do give the podcast a a five-star rating if you feel it deserves five stars. Because the more ratings and reviews a podcast gets, the more prominently it appears in search results. Thank you so much again for your support, for listening to the podcast and for spreading the word that mums matter. Our health matters. We deserve to have healthy bodies and healthy minds so that we can live our lives to the full, look after our children as fully as we want to, be as engaged in society and the economy as we want to be. Poor postnatal care should not be holding us back. (laughs) 